Our reading from the New Testament comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 23. Luke uh, chapter 23. And brothers and sisters, those of you who are in some or other Lenten group at this time, our congregational studies um, continue on the seven words on the cross of Jesus this week, the second one which you will find in Luke chapter 23. And I'm going to back up a little bit, not start to read at verse 39, but at verse 32, so that we can all get the context of this story. Let us listen to God's word for us, Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him and said, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Gracious God, as we continue our Lenten journey, strengthen us to follow Jesus into the way of the cross. Unite us with him and all the faithful, that we may one day enter through the gates of righteousness into the eternal city, the new Jerusalem where we will praise you with Christ. Quiet now within us all mortal voices, that through the story of the Passion and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I think most of us know this story. The story of the crucifixion of Jesus. The story of Jesus who was hanging on a cross between two criminals, or the Greek word, evil workers. The evil workers whose names we do not know. And we think of Golgotha, brothers and sisters, as a hilltop. But none of the Gospels mention that it was actually a hill. The place may have been a hill, protruding from the landscape and resembling a human skull, but that is pure speculation. Maybe there were actually skulls lying around because all the executions at this place. And although the name reminds us of gruesome images, 
Luke doesn't make anything special about the execution of the three men. He doesn't give us the gory details of the crucifixion, but simply writes, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals. And yet I believe that the first readers of the gospel would probably have known exactly that this instrument of terror was designed by the Romans to produce the greatest amount of lasting pain while the condemned slowly suffered a degrading death. This scene with Jesus and the two criminals, the normal crowd with not much else to do but to follow condemned men to the execution, the usual mourners that you would find at a place like this, this is just another execution of criminals who were condemned to death by the Roman Empire. And we often get so caught up in the details of the scene. We want to know what the cross looked like. The place of the, in the body, how it was nailed to a cross so that it wouldn't tear out of the, uh, the nails. How long did it take for someone who was crucified to die? In many places we can get detailed descriptions, brothers and sisters, of what actually happened. But we are stuck with so many questions And often our questions make that we miss the good news, that we never get the meaning of this story. I was thinking that maybe the gospel writers had a good reason for not providing the description of the actual crucifixion of Jesus. You know, at a first reading, it may seem as if this story is about a deathbed conversion. I vaguely remember a sermon from my childhood where the pastor threatened, now you don't postpone to accept Jesus into your heart. There is only one deathbed conversion that I know about. It may look like in the two criminals, we are presented with two choices in which the options are very clear. And where Luke challenges us to make the right choice. But brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be blindsided because there's a much deeper theology in this simple story of the two criminals who had choices presented to them. There's something much deeper here at play than two superficial choices in front of us. Now, the first choice presented to us in the characters of the criminals is that of a self-centered world, where the only thing that matters is what you can get out of a situation. And maybe this first criminal was so desperate, maybe he was just focused on on preserving his own life, or maybe this was all that he could think about at this stage. Maybe he shouted this desperate request as a challenge and an insult. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And we know how this works in our lives, don't we? If you are God, then you can do many things. Or more sophisticated, where is God when everything goes wrong? It's about the same. If you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. We also know that it's always easier 
to get what you can and to be part of a group than to be alone and the only voice for what is right and what is just if it is against the popular voice. And therefore, this criminal on the cross, this evildoer, joined the group, the group of soldiers and the religious leaders who were mocking Jesus. And he wanted to get off the cross if Jesus could do that. But the group protected everyone in it. We often find ourselves in the group condemning and shouting, taking what is our right to have, but to come and to stand for justice and faith when everyone has the, a view of their own is a different story. But I think Luke had something else in mind than these mere two simple choices. Do you remember the beginning of the Gospel of Luke immediately after his baptism in Luke chapter 4? Jesus was driven into the wilderness being tempted by Satan. And here at the end of the story, Jesus is again in the wilderness of a cross, being tempted, this time by people, by the leaders, by the soldiers, by one of the two thieves or criminals crucified next to him. But throughout his life, brothers and sisters, Jesus opposed the work and efforts of Satan. Throughout his life, Jesus remained faithful to his mission to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And here on the cross, Jesus indeed demonstrates good news, demonstrates release to captives and sight to blind and freedom to oppressed, and what the year of the Lord's favor really means. And Jesus would not give in to the demands of Satan or to the world to take care of himself. And the second choice in, presented to us in, in the two criminals, to choose not out of selfish intentions, is reflected not only by the criminal, but also by Jesus. The other criminal joined the silent sympathy of the crowd, those people who kept their heads down. And he recognized the reason for the predicament, the plight he found himself in. And then he speaks directly to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I wonder if we get it. The criminal uses the name of Jesus. Do you know that name given to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 to 33? You will name him Jesus, he will be great, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And the criminal doesn't need to be saved, not even from the cross, because he knew then and Luke closes the loop for us who want to discover so that we can know, as the criminal knew then, 
This Jesus is the Messiah, the King whose kingdom will never end. And so the criminal asked to be remembered. Maybe it was hesitantly, maybe in his dying moments he found confidence that this Jesus on the cross is indeed the Messiah. Remember like God remembered Noah and Rachel and the Israelites and like God remembers the covenant of grace. Remember, save, forgive, take back. And then in his own unhappy position, he asked Jesus for, was it forgiveness or mercy or maybe kindness? When Jesus arrives in his kingdom. And then Jesus, ahead of his time, already hands out royal forgiveness. Assured this criminal a place in the paradise, in paradise before another day has passed. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And somehow there's an irony in this story that the one who came as the savior of Israel cannot save himself from the cross and yet doesn't need to save himself from the cross because he knows that everything has been given to him by his father. And brothers and sisters, in this story of contempt and embarrassment and humiliation, the story of a king dying the death of a common criminal, of soldiers taking all his clothes to divide them, laughing crowds who booed the message of salvation, the criminal making fun of a condemned who didn't want to be untrue to who he was. In this story, we find a message of redemption, a promise of redemption for every one of us. You remember Ash Wednesday, were you there? This message of redeem the redemption is hidden in the depths of suffering. To us, this is good news as we continue our Lenten journey. The good news that God has unending love for this broken and sinful and warring world. A world of people working evil. A, work of, uh, a world of people finding in Christ someone who we can hold on to. That God has unending love for us. We who often respond with violence and insult to God's love. And God's heart, which we discover in Jesus the Christ, is torn between the emotions brought by a sin-induced suffering and a graceful love as Jesus refuses to give into ugliness. That in the midst of ugliness, he offered forgiveness he whispers the hope of eternity to a criminal, to an evil worker. This is good news to us. God has called us all here, beloved brothers and sisters. We are given new names of hope and promise in baptism, as we have seen this morning. We have been given new names of hope and promise in baptism and by Jesus. Truly I tell you, 
Today you will be with me in paradise. Amen.